and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show, we review the 34-17 away win at Newcastle. After a torrid 20 minutes, we witnessed a sizzling 60 of the Bears at their barnstorming best. We'll also look forward to Friday's top of the table clash against Exeter Chiefs with the help of The Guardian's rugby correspondent, Rob Kitson. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, boys, bears back to winning ways. Um, and it was the end of the school holidays in Miles. Um, I, I think you were out of Bristol, weren't you? Were you down in the stately home this weekend? Well, you, you, almost, mate. I was down in our family holiday home, a stone's throw from Sandy Park, sadly. So I had to look at that monstrosity after a few days. But um, luckily, I didn't trust the local beer and I took 12 bottles of Bristol beer with me. So a nice week away, but then a hectic weekend working in the hospital. But good to see you, boys. Yeah, and you, Miles. And uh, Lee, how are things with you, my man? Very good, Tony. Thank you. I've, uh, I've had a day of trekking today um, in the Quantock Hills for my um, for my mum's birthday with my best mate Paddy and his family. So... Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm pretty tired. I've done some. I've done some mileage in the legs uh, today, mate. Uh, and were there any pub lunches involved? No, bizarrely not. We we had hot chocolate and coffee, mate, today. So I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm actually fresh for the pod for a change. Excellent, excellent. And Pete, I think you were down in Darkest Devon as well last week. Uh, how was that? And uh, did I see you had a new little toy to play with uh, from after your birthday? <laughs> Well, yes, I was. I was down at the caravan because the caravan site opened on Monday um, down in the, the beautiful South Hams. And I actually had to watch the game on my iPad whilst I was barbecuing um, with a beautiful view. It was as close to being back in some sort of stadium as we can get. Um, but, yeah, no, I did have a little a 50th birthday present, 14-foot um, uh, paddleboard. Uh, I did actually uh, did actually take it out a couple of times. I've got to say, boys, the sea. I fell off it because it's quite long and thin and not very stable. The sea is so cold at the moment; it is a nightmare. <laughs> right. Well, 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 we'll take your word for that. But uh, what certainly got uh, us warmed up and the uh, pulses racing was that uh, Bears performance. Uh, let me come to you first, Miles. Uh, heading into the game, when you saw that Pat had made nine changes. Uh, what were your views? Uh, you know, did you think that was a team that could go up to uh, Kingston Park and do the job? Uh, yeah, tentatively, yes. I'm not sure it really. I, I looked at the team sheet and thought, I'm not sure I'm going to win my score prediction week, if I was perfectly honest with you boys. But, you know, we know that there's a massive game coming next week, which we'll chat about. And we probably predicted that he would rest some of our key players. Um so I was confident of the win um, and a bit puzzled by some of the team selection. But, yeah, you know, job done in the end. It was indeed. And, Lee, how were you feeling in that, that first 20 minutes in the intro there? I, I described it as torrid. Uh, it's not often our beloved Bears uh, go down uh, or, or a team goes down to 14 people uh, and then outscores us by uh, 10 points to zero. What were you thinking at that point? Well, bizarrely, I still wasn't that that worried, Tony, to be honest, because like, I think, like, it, you know, we ebbs and flows of games. And I think if Luke Moraham would have gone over or or um, there was an inside pass, I can't remember, who, who could have finished it with two minutes on the board, I think that would have settled us down nicely, to be honest. But certainly after that, there was a, a spell where Newcastle did get about us a bit. And obviously with Sheedy, getting injured well like, I mean, that was an awful challenge by Brocklebank by the way I mean he, he had a shocker didn't he all game to be fair um but I, I still wasn't rattled I it, it was bizarre we probably touch on this in a minute that um in the post-match interview Pat Lamb had mentioned that the the actual players had said that they were kind of doubting themselves a little bit weren't they after that initial 20 minutes and that it took Pat to kind of calm them down and reassure them and saying look stick to the game plan but um, I don't know, we were 10-0 down, but I still didn't feel that we were, you know, we, we weren't going to do anything but win the game, personally. OK, and uh, Pete, uh, yeah, your, your thoughts. Uh, we, um, 
you know, obviously, Ian Lloyd had to come on for Sheedy. Um, uh, and then then things started to click, didn't it? And uh, Heenan scored the uh, the first try. Great to see him get that score as uh, co-captain for the day. Um, were you convinced that that starting 15, we're going to do the business? Did you think Pat had made maybe too many changes? No, I, I agree with Lee, actually. I, and I think maybe calling it torrid was a, maybe a little bit uh, over the top tone. Uh, I think that we looked right from the get-go, we were trying to run the ball. Um, we were spinning it wide. I mean, Malins was looking dangerous. And, and I think um, uh, Lee was right. I mean, I don't know why Morahan didn't, it was Vui that was inside. Why Morahan didn't pass inside to Vui, that would have put us, you know, 5-7-0 up. Then we had, a, I think we had a lot of pressure with the forwards for a little bit and then coughed up a penalty. Um, so we, we, we looked... Their, their defence looked a bit shaky even then. And I think, you know, we gifted them that try, didn't we? Ben Earl gate passed it. Uh, you know, I think he thought he was playing Harlequins and Danny Kerr was coming down on him because he panicked, didn't he? And, uh, and passed the ball to their player. But yeah, I mean, it, I suppose my eyebrows are raised a little bit, but I think I've got belief in the squad and I think we're belief in the system. And, uh, you know, I thought we looked dangerous. And then we got into our stride and I think Newcastle were... were tired pretty quickly and uh, really it was just one way traffic I think after that first when we got back uh, got back ahead uh, it was one way traffic Absolutely and I, I mean I described it as a torrid 20 minutes because you know for us to concede 10 points against 14 yeah. men including Ben Earl's no look pass what five five metres out from our mm. try line um, I, I actually wrote down on my note is Ben Earl becoming a liability mm. but by the end of the Whoa. game I, 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 crossed, I crossed that all the way through all the way through because I don't think Ben's been playing particularly well over the last few games he's given away a lot of penalties obviously he got mugged by care and then that but boy didn't he he came come back into it uh for for the the, the rest of the game um uh, and then we had that that wonderful score by Max Malin's miles um more dummies in that move than than when when Topshop was restocked uh, the the other week. It was it was. So I was I thought it was a bit like watching a Shakira video. The hips don't lie there, do they? they, they uh, Snake hips, wasn't it? Max Snake hips mailings, but uh, surely Miles, that that must have got you in your seat and in danger of you 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 whacking yourself in the face somewhat. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, very nearly. I was sort of secretly watching it on my phone whilst in a little sort of uh, break from work, as it were. But then myself and the Duchess watched the whole match in the evening. I, you know, I secretly told I didn't know the score, but I did. But that was a lovely move. I think, you know, <laughs> I think the dummy and then the sub-dummy and the little sort of sneaky pass or pretend pass inside was just fantastic, really. <laughs> I thought that at that point he wasn't... Well, yeah, I thought that when he wasn't running very fast, but I, I, I love the sort of pass he made and then a sort of fake and then a run inside. That was just class of Max Malian's and, yeah, a, a lovely try. It, it was, and it's lo- nice to hear there's no secrets between you and the Duchess. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and Lee, uh, and then Morahan. I mean, I've got to say, um, and we'll look at the stats later on, Newcastle seem to have forgotten how to tackle uh, in this game because, uh, you know, lovely score by Morahan uh, on 39 minutes just before half time. Well, Tony, I, I thought they were. I thought Falcons were chasing shadows after that initial twenty-minute period. They they literally didn't know. They couldn't even get close enough to tackle. Um, we really opened up, and I re- that that was at the point there. I thought this score could be anything now because we looked like as soon as we got the ball, some of the inside moves that we were doing, we looked like we could cut through them at, at any stage at that point. And I just want to quickly mention, um, I mean, obviously, we'll probably talk about how amazing Malins was earlier. But I, I actually felt a bit sad for Falcons and, a, and personally for Toby Flood, who was obviously once a great player. But, um, you know, in my opinion now, he, he looked just completely spent in that game. And I just think the legs are catching up with him. And all father time is, is going to call an end to his career pretty soon, I'd say, after that performance. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think there were a few Newcastle players that looked a bit leggy out there. Um, so we went in uh, halftime uh, 1910. And uh, let me come to you then, Pete. Um, you know, three quick fire tries. Do you think the game was in any doubt after that? No. No, it wasn't in eight hours. I was just looking at my notes, Tone. I think the first few minutes of the, the second half, we defended on our line for a, for a bit, actually, and were very solid. And I think we must remember that it's not just about snake hips and fleet foot, is it? It's, it's also about the grunt work. And I think, um, you know, our forwards put in another shift again. I mean, they were a lighter pack than Falcons, weren't they? And we had some little bit of inexperience in there with, with Harding. Um, and Capon but I thought those boys acquitted themselves incredibly well so I think we we should doff our cap to the defence again I mean we never really looked like being breached did we Um, apart from that try right at the end that they scored and and the gift that we that Ben Earl gave them so yeah I I felt it was just a case of uh, how many really in the second half yeah and uh, uh, Miles again come to you um Ben Earl uh, redeemed himself. What a wonderful move off the line out uh, for him to score that try. And again, just brushing defenders away as he uh, as he went for the line. Uh, what what did you make of that move? Oh, that was fantastic. I mean, I, you're right. I mean, Earl hasn't had a great couple of games, has he? Especially for England and the no-look pass that gifted them a try. But that lovely pass from, I think it was Capon, wasn't it? It was a training ground classic by the looks of it. Uh, we drew the players in, he cut inside, took about three players over the line with him and scored, and he was delighted. So I'm really pleased actually Ben got that score. It was a fantastic forward try, and um, yeah, it was quality all the way. Yeah, uh, and then uh, Lee, we had uh, the final two tries. We had Adia Loken, uh, uh, well-deserved well try. Um, and then and Malins, again, I mean, he could do no wrong, could he? And let's let's start talking about some of the players and let me come to you. Max Malins, uh, 183 metres from uh, 13 carries, two tries, man of the match performance, hasn't played for the Bears all year. How incredible was that? Sonia, just just quickly pick you up. The, the Andy Lucan try was was disallowed, wasn't it? Of course yes. it was. Yes, <laughs> it was a lovely yes. try, though. On, on that, was, let's yes. think about that, Toe. But on that note, we must have scored so many amazing tries that never were this season as well. Because we've, I, I remember one or two others that were amazing tries. Randranja scored one, didn't he? Length of the pitch, and then it was brought back for things. I'd love to. I'm sure there's someone out there on on YouTube that could put together all the best tries we never got, <laughs> and they'd be. It would be amazing. Uh, uh, absolutely. And funny, I was looking at my notes, thinking, how come we scored three tries in the second half, <laughs> plus a penalty, and only got 15 points? And that that answers that answers it absolutely. Uh, You've got a miles there, part, mate. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Malins, though. Uh, yeah. Just, just talk about his p- performance. Well, this is a guy where, I mean, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that you could put him alongside Charles Piotr and you could flip a coin when, when they're both in form. I know Piotr is going to start nine times out of ten. But for me, Malins gives us, he's more dynamic for me. And I personally, I, I absolutely love watching that guy play. Um, and, you know, there was talk actually, wasn't there, by the commentary team that, you know, where you've got to play Malins, where would he fit in? And there was potential um, possibility of sticking him on, uh, on the wing even, wasn't it? At one point, someone had said that. But I love the, the try that he scored at the end was was typical Max Balins, wasn't it? That bouncing ball. And he just picked it up and gone. And as soon as he got it, it was one of those, you know, in football terms, when someone strikes the sweet spot of the football and you know that it's destined for the back of the net and you knew that guy was going to go over and drop it down. And um, it, it was a fantastic performance. I, I just think he adds so much to, to our team. Uh, absolutely, and I think remarkable the fact that he's you know he's been away with England. He hasn't played for the Bears for what three four months. 
Uh, and he's come straight back in with just 40 minutes of rugby with that 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 warm up against Worcester. Uh, and 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 a, a wonderful, wonderful performance. Um, Miles, let me come to you next. Uh, who, who else uh, stood out for you from a Bristol perspective? Uh, <laughs> good question, TC. It was very much a team performance, but I thought actually, um, I thought uh, I think I'm going to go turn to the backs. So I thought Adi Alokan had quite a solid game, and that disallowed try was an absolute beaut. But you know, we used to worry about well, Lee and I certainly used to worry about Adi Alokan, didn't we? Under the high ball and missing tries and missing passes. But he's, he's growing as a player. And I think I thought he was fantastic on the wing. He's so fast. He confused a lot of the Newcastle backs. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm going to doff the hat to Adi Alokan. I thought we had a cracking game, actually. And what about your friend uh, Andy Uren? Um, any any <laughs> comments on his performance? It was solid. That's all I'm going to say, really. I mean, oh, for, one, yeah. <laughs> for, for, for once, Kessel got 10 minutes at the end, which my wife actually noticed, because she often says, what's the point in him being on a bench? The poor lad's not going to get any game time. He's clearly not going to stay at the end of the season, which we've discussed in previous pods. Uh, but Andy had a solid game. I thought his kicking was quite good. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it's a solid game. So nothing exceptional that I picked up from him. But Pete's, not, Pete's shaking his head. So he's, <laughs> as the resident's gone past, he'll probably comment on this. Well, let's come to you then, Pete. Um, did, did Andy's performance ebb and flow as with the Bears? You know, uh, a bit shaky to start, but then really came into it? <laughs> I, I thought yeah. he played really well. I've got to say, I thought his, I think his kicking has improved massively. Um, he got us out of trouble out the twenty-two a couple of times. There was one big kick he put down that bounced in between two players, went out, and I think he's got quicker off the, the base of the scrums. And he does he does two things. He either he either runs with the ball sideways, and I know we've talked about this sometimes, but that is definitely a strategy of trying to bring in the the defence and then you know unleash. And I thought he was a lot quicker, or he's at the bottom of the getting the ball away or making decisions so I, I think he's you know this is accumulation of of game time and and I think at the way he's playing at the moment uh, Randall's probably quite pleased that he's injured because it, it, he might not get back into the starting um, 15 when he's when he's fully fit and, uh, and I think this is brilliant for for the for us because we you know we need that competition it's kind of what spurred Randall on I reckon to, to get the heights and he's been very unfortunate this season as we know but I think um, and uh, yeah I, I, I and he's he got pace he's got pace, pace is, is something you need in every team so Fair play. I think. Uh, I think he's really. He's really. I thought he was more than solid. Sorry, can we, Miles. Can we, can I thought we he was. Like uh, a quick show of hands, was, like you boys, or a, or a yay or no. But between the between the other three of us, who thought Uren's performance was more than solid? Because I certainly agree with Pete. I thought he was exceptional. Luckily, we can't yeah. see your hand. We can't see your hand tonight. So it's just two versus one. <laughs> I. I mean, but that's had said. You know, we need we need yeah. checks and balances. Yeah, you need uh, devil's you advocates you to, to you keep need, the analysis yeah, flowing. Go. So fair play. <laughs> I, I come to to Lee in a moment to maybe look at some of the forwards. But before I come away from you, Pete, uh, any any words uh, on any of the other backs' performances? And uh, especially interested to think what you thought of Yian Lloyd coming in and uh, playing most mm. of the game at, at ten. Yeah, I thought Lloyd looked really good. He, he looked really fresh. So, I mean, I know he's been injured, but he, he's probably, been, I would imagine he's recovered from his injury, you know, maybe a week or two ago. And, and um, I thought he looked very sharp. He, he's, he's got such amazing twinkle toes, hasn't he? And, and you know, and he's, and he's solid as well. He, it takes a few players to, to get him to stop him and get him down. So I thought it was a really nice um, introduction from Lloyd and, and he took the responsibility on his shoulders. Kicking was, was average. I'd, I'd say that was maybe, I wouldn't even say the kicking was solid. <laughs> Actually, Miles, he, he missed yeah, one by Miles, literally. didn't he? Literally by miles. But, uh, um, 
So I think, he, 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 you know, and I remember Pat saying once when they said, oh, when, when Lloyd kicked that, I think, who was it against? So it against Gloucester or someone, he kicked the last one. And everyone's going, oh, it was brilliant that young lad stepped up and kicked it. And Pat goes, yeah, that's his job. So that kind of makes me think also Pat will be saying, why did he miss those? So he'll learn. Um, I thought, just going back to Adi Loken, I think his hands have got so much better as well. I think, I suspect, I think I read somewhere that, 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 that they've been doing a lot of work with him to, to, to get him to, to kind of the position he is now and I think he's a he's a real solid performer I agree with Miles on that one um, and then I think we should just off our cap to Siali again he's been out a long time um, you know it's nice to see that red cap back in the middle and I thought he had a really good game um, you know there was one he, he still a, he, he does play a little bit on the edge there was almost one interception he gave away again in the first half didn't he but um, yeah fair play to Siali great to see the and, and just on Siali Piotr Pete do you think he gives us something very different at inside centre compared to, you know, some of the makeshift inside centres that we've had. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a proper pivot in the middle. And I, and although Piers O'Connor, you know, has got that in his in his toolbox to do the same, I think Siali plus one, someone else outside him is a real, a real, really important thing for us, which is kind of takes us back to what we talked about last week with... Um, that talk about Mark Atkinson from Gloucester that, you know, at some point Siali isn't going to play much longer. And I think we do need to start thinking about, is that a position where you buy in some experience and l- allow players like Piers O'Connor to, to, to work off him or Andranda or whatever? So I think, uh, um, I mean, he, he made a really good break. I mean, Alapati must have been a bit embarrassed when he saw that break that Siali did because... I mean, Siali, I thought he could have gone all the way there. A little, little swivel hips dummy and he could have gone to the corner. Mm. But um, yeah, although he did muck up the pass a bit there. But yeah, great performance from uh, from the Tongan Tyro. <laughs> and I think just, just before we come off the backs, I think Luke Morahan as well. Uh, just wanted to single him out. Um, yeah, 97 metres from 11 carries, uh, got the try. I think he's looking sharp again. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he had that good game at fullback uh, and I think he's looking really dangerous it's going to give Pat some huge headaches when all our backs are fit um, just to try and fit them all in is well it's a wonderful headache to, to have Lee let me come to you specifically around the forwards uh, who stood out for you in the pack well I've got I've actually got a few names written down Tom um, I do think, I mean, we've touched on Ben Earl earlier. I think that, you know, when we were saying his celebration for that try, I think that was a, 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 a kind of relief thing because I think after that initial period of time, giving the ball away, and um, I thought Earl came back massively. We've already mentioned that, so I'll, I'll skip along. But I thought Chris Bowie again was was fantastic. I mean, he's just always there. Um Solid again. Um, Harding, I thought was was good. Again, another solid performance. But I did want a single two out. Actually, um, I thought Will Capon was outstanding yesterday. And uh, for again, we keep saying like he's a real old head on young shoulders, isn't he? He's um, he, he just seems to to. It gives him that for someone that young. He gives you that air of confidence, and I really did think that he's, you know, he is really up there with the Burns and and the um, Fackers now on a level on a level par. But but one person I did want to mention, and it, he he almost goes we don't we don't mention him enough because he's so underrated. But uh, Jake Heenan for me, he stepped in. No, for Hughes and the guy. I mean, obviously, this guy's got something because Pat has taken taken him with him at pretty much every club he's been at, and he doesn't play that often. But when he comes in, again, it's just seamless. He knows the system, and some of the link play that I thought with with Earl was was fantastic. And um, I thought personally that that those players I've mentioned had really really solid games and. Um, the one surprise was actually John Afoa. I thought John Afoa was was um, not not his usual self. Give away a few penalties. Um, he didn't seem to be quite on it. Maybe he might be rested, you know, for a for a week or two. Um, 
just the. I mean, he's played a lot of rugby, hasn't he? He's he's been the mainstay in that side. So I don't know. Maybe he was just having an off day. We don't know. But it, I thought I thought the um, I thought the forwards were were brilliant. To be fair. Yeah, I, I, maybe it wasn't the most sparkling performance uh, by a foer, but I, I thought he was he was pretty. I think the front row, um, and we know Newcastle are, are a kind of forward-led uh, team. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought they did a, a, a grand job containing uh, the, the the Newcastle pack. Uh, yeah, it, it just was an exceptional 60 minutes. You know, we talked a few pods ago about, you know, have have we had a 80-minute game? Um, I, I think, yeah, you right off that first 20, but that, that last 60 minutes, and I know they scored the late try, uh, but for me, that, that, that was a absolutely solid 60-minute performance. Uh, and probably the best rugby uh, we've seen uh, since since the Bath game, probably, I, I think, uh, as far as absolutely dominating a team and playing the way we want to play as Bristol Bears. I, um, I felt the break has done us good, Tony, to be fair. The eight days off, I think, is, has made a, a big difference. I, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. They they did look fresh. I think they probably had a good debrief after the uh, the Bordeaux game, uh, and uh, yeah, they were strong. And I mean, we'll talk about it when we look at the Exeter game. The players that we were able to rest for this game yeah. as well, not out injured, the players that were rested, um, uh, you know, does does pay credit to the squad. What one thing I wanted to mention? Um, did you see that? I think they flew up to Newcastle on the day of the game which uh, was quite unusual. We, we're obviously top of the table big billies now when you uh, when you fly to a game on uh, a game day. So, uh, yeah, wonderful performance. Um, just going to quickly run through some of the stats. Uh, we had 55% uh, possession, 50%, uh, 57% uh, territory. Uh, we made 762 metres. Uh, and uh, one of the interesting stats for me uh, on tackles, we made 99, Newcastle made 112. We missed 15, Newcastle missed 39 Mm. Which which is a huge huge amount. Uh, we've already talked about Malins 183 meters, Morahan 97, Adiolokan 74, Earl 60 meters, Fitzharding 59 meters, and Lloyd 54 meters. So six players all uh, getting over 50 meters. Um, and so that leaves the table this weekend. Uh, Bears top. Of the pile still, 66 points, 12 points clear of Exeter in second with 54 points. And then Sale and Quinns both on 50 points and Saints 46. Uh, let's just have a quick run through of those games this weekend. Um, Northampton Saints winning the Friday night game, 44 points to uh, 26. They they certainly seem to uh, have really turned things around now. I'm going to be serious contenders come the, the, the end. Um, Exeter 43, Wasps 13. Very tight game in the first half. Exeter storming away with it. A sale 25, Gloucester 22. Um, and then we've got uh, Quinns uh, doing a job on Worcester, winning 50 points to 26. Uh, and we're recording at our normal time on Sunday evening, 7 p.m. start. Uh, and we've just seen Bath squeak a win 21-20 against Leicester. And, and can I pay particular credit to one of the Bears Beyond the Gate crew uh, who, as you, as, as many listeners will know, um, Pete is a huge Southampton fan and he is gallantly watching the FA Cup semi-final second half at the same time as recording the podcast. Pete, let's just have an update. How, uh, how's the game going? Oh. <laughs> That's all you need to know, Tone. All you need to know. Oh. Right, I, I... No, we're 1-0 down. Just pathetic. sounds in pain. I mean, talk about, you talk about Newcastle missing 36 tackles. It looks like we missed about 50 in that one <laughs> passage of play. And then the, their, their player shanked it wide. It comes back off our player. Could have gone out for a goal kick. 
and they stroke it in. So there you go. Anyway, 56 back, back, minutes. Back, still back a bit to rugby, time to... boys. Back to rugby. <laughs> what, what, back to rugby. Is, what miles is best that? Absolutely. <laughs> at least it looks. At least it looks like I might go to at least one final. Hopefully this season. Hopefully at Twickenham. It's not going to be at Wembley at this rate. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, let's move on. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many, many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Well, uh, after the joys of seeing that performance uh, against Newcastle, we have the mouth-watering clash that is coming up on Friday. Top of the table, Bristol Bears against Exeter Chiefs at the gate. Uh, it's Friday night. It's 7.45 kickoff live uh, on BT1 Sport HD. Um, we're going to talk about that game. Lots to talk about. I think it, it, it's it's intriguing uh, who uh, who will play from from both teams and how it will go. But uh, we wanted to get an expert opinion uh, uh, on the game, so we were lucky enough this week, or Pete in his Premiership preview, uh, to speak to uh, Rob Kitson, who is the Guardian's chorus, rugby correspondent, uh, and has also uh, penned a, a book called. X-Men, The Extraordinary Rise of Exeter. So Rob very kindly uh, spoke to us. We had a few technical problems with the call, um, but uh, it was a fascinating listen. So let's let's hear what Rob and Pete uh, chatted about earlier in the week. So thanks for joining us, Rob. We really appreciate this. Uh, My first question to you is how do you assess uh, the season so far for both Bristol and the Chiefs? Bristol have clearly kicked on, haven't they, from last year? Uh, I, I, I do wonder slightly. But Exeter have had a funny old season. It's yeah, because of the, the way it's worked in COVID, and because of they just didn't really have a preseason. Having won those two finals, huge emotional sort of high in October. Very hard to get back up on the old, you know, horse in, in November and start it all again, and without being able to refocus. And then, of course, they had a lot of injuries. Um, Jack Noel coming back around now, um, who's the sort of last big one, really. Um, but, you know, so I think they've international calls, possibly a few more of those than they would have had. So you can, you can say what you like, second season syndrome or, or, or always going to be tougher or a few injuries that have complicated their life. But I, I thought Leinster played very well at the weekend mm. to, to knock them out of Europe. I, I think extra they'll kick themselves at that game because they, they could have actually, you know, they weren't far away, were they? Um, maybe yeah. kick that penalty under the post uh, with, with 10, 15 minutes to go, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, suddenly they only need one. They're within a score again. So I think I think they'll learn a bit from that game. You're going to tie me down in a minute, I can tell. I'll, I'll, I'll sit on the fence a little bit longer. Uh, but I, I would say two good teams coming to a bit of a boil, uh, I do think grounds hardening up, weather improving, that'll suit Bristol, but it suits Exeter as well, funny enough. So I, I think we're talking a big old game, but, you know, Exeter's forwards, I have to say, have, have sorted Bristol out once or twice. And I think that'll be where it's won or lost. You know, if Bristol have got all their boys fit, you know, I'm a massive admirer of Stephen Lewis Tour. You know, mm-hmm. if he's playing, Chris Fury, if those boys, you know, they're incredible. Dave Atwood, mm-hmm. you know, they, 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 you know the, the fact that they're still getting that much rugby out of them, at their uh, relatively advanced stages is magnificent. Whether they can sustain that for the next two months is probably the key. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we we did a bit of a job on their uh, on their forwards at uh, at Sandy Park. I think uh, earlier in the season, um, I mean, it was a phenomenal performance, really, from Bristol. I don't Exeter didn't score in the second half, um, but kind of since then, I mean, Bristol have been a bit up and down despite winning quite a few. So I I think you're right. I mean, it is coming to a boil. I mean, I was going to ask you, you know, did you think it was going to be a cagey affair, or will they both? want to kind of really lay down a marker for a potential uh, playoff final and, and and if you do want to get off the fence do you do you have a, a prediction of what how it might go well I think it's a I think it's a slightly tricky one isn't it I think for for, for Exeter certainly that both of them you know coming off the back you know it's been a funny old season isn't it and mm-hmm. they haven't you know I thought I was very impressed with Bristol the other day um, that, that you know that Harlequins game was 
was was a, was a high quality game, you know. So if if it was me as a neutral, as you know, uh, I would say Bristol would be narrow favourites, frankly, um, because because they've you know they've shown that form. You know, if you've got Sinclair who's playing properly, he's got it. You know, these couple of these guys have got to, if they want to go on the Lions tour, they've got to play. So you know, play and play properly. So your, your Sinclairs of this world, who I'm sure will go on the tour, um, but you, you would expect a big game from him. You'd expect a big game, as I say. I mean, I, you know, I like really like Dan Thomas um, as, a, as a. He seems to influence a lot of games, doesn't he? Uh, you uh, were possibly mentioning um, before we came in here, Piers O'Connor, who's a, who's a, a, I think he's outstanding. You know, he's, really, he's exactly that sort of possibly a bit of a throwback in many ways to those sort of old mm-hmm. old style sort of centres who who maybe gone out a, a little bit out of fashion in the sort of big, you know, big boshing world. But he's he, he looks a, you know a proper player, and and um, my son actually played. He came back one day from you know, playing a, a match when he was a couple of years ago, and he said, "Dad, I played against a really good player. He's much, much better than me. Played my love plays ten, you know." And he said, "Who was that? Oh, Yon, Yon Lloyd." Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. oh yeah, so what I said, "Well, we'll keep an eye and see if he's any use." And he, he turns out to yeah. be very, very handy. So no, I, th- I think it'll be a great game. It wouldn't surprise me if Bristol won this game, uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if Exeter won the title. Interesting. Well, thanks for that. Um, just a, a couple of sort of last questions, got quick fire ones. I mean, you mentioned Piers O'Connor actually, and I was going to ask you about him. I mean, do you think he has got real potential to be the answer to to England's inside centre issue, if there is an issue? But um... well, I, I think I think you've got to be a little bit careful because you know England don't have, as I say, if you're playing inside or outside Randrandra. Mm. Um, then it helps, doesn't it? Frankly, yeah. uh, and if you're getting lots of ball and you've got and you've got um, Pietro just behind you screaming for the ball, that possibly helps as well. <laughs> yeah. um, because defenders, are, defenders are going, oh blimey! I tell you what, those three people, we're going to watch the, the other two. And we're not yeah. going to bother much about Connor. So you know, it's a slightly different game, and and yeah. But having said that, uh, he looks like he just he, he, he's the sort of player who impresses me because he because he he, he looks un, un, unfla- mm. unflappable. He's been around. He's played. He's played at different levels, which I think really helps. And he just looks composed in in good company, and that's you know that's always a good sign. I mean, on on a similar note, I mean, what do you think of of Harry Randall? I mean, do you think he's got it got what it takes to be a credible long term England scrum half uh, after Ben Young eventually gets dropped or retires, which everyone comes first? <laughs> well, I think that that's hotting up. I mean, I. Harry's clearly. I saw Harry play for Wales under sixteen uh, one day in, in Oxford, and uh, he, he was tiny. And a year playing a year up, and, and I thought, you know, we all and he played very well. And you saw, got to keep an eye on this fellow as well. Um, I there was a phase maybe a year ago when he was he was playing had a brilliant game one day, then the next he'd do a couple of silly things, wouldn't he? And then mm. maybe the next he'd be brilliant again, and he'd be up and down. I think he's more consistent now. Um, I hope he's over that injury mm. properly. Um, and I, I, I think he's definitely got potential with that, that. That gas helps, doesn't it? Off the mark, I would possibly be just waiting to see. You know, and he's in good company. I, mean, I, I like Andy, Andy Urine as well, mm. to be honest. Um, but I think there's actually four, three or four or five good scrum halves coming through. And I think I, I like the guy at, at, at Leicester, that Van Portfleet. I think mm. might be the best of them all. Potentially, he's easy, mm. even younger. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could see, listen. It's all there, isn't it? Yeah. If, he, if he really starts playing now, he can do anything. Yeah, I mean, I, we talk about scrum halves on on the podcast quite a lot, actually, and I think it would just be good to have a a time where there's quite a lot of competition. And I and I think you're right. I think there are a lot of uh, good young good young scrum halves there. So well, well, we'll see. It's a shame, really, because Randall came into massive form, got picked for England, and then just didn't play, and then got injured. Yeah. It was uh, it was a it was a bit of an odd situation. But anyway, um. Really, last question for you, and it's it's not really about Bristol or or Exeter, but it's got a wider question, um, and it is topical. And I was just like wondering what your thoughts are on on the reports that relegation may be scrapped again next year, so that to create a fourteen team league, and and if so, is this the kind of thin edge of a of a ring fencing fencing wedge coming our way? Well, I, I mean, these things can be changeable, so um, you know. Based on what we know at the moment, I don't think there's probably much doubt that they want to put a moratorium in place, don't they, for three years, mm. um, three or four years, yeah. until about 2024 after the World Cup is what they want to do. Uh, 
it, you know, I've been talking quite a lot recently to the Cornish Pirates and to Coventry and to um, Ealing and you know, having if you if you use clearly Exeter are a great case in point, aren't they? You know, ten years ago, who was going to predict that Exeter would be champions of Europe? Mm. Um, now that's not to say the Cornish Pirates are going to do the same thing, but I do think that it's if you if you put a moratorium on it, well, hang on, how, that's going to block it off, isn't it? And and even if for three or four years, the gap is going to grow and it's going to become impossible. So, yeah, I I, I can see it definitely uh, three or four years, they'll, they'll, they'll try and block it off. 14 teams, I, I don't know, I think it's going to come down to money in the end because I think the British League, if you look around it, Wales, Ireland, Scotland, it wouldn't surprise me if one day there's a British League CBC involved. So I don't think it'll be a purely English argument. Brilliant. No, well, thanks very much for, for that well-reasoned and well-balanced argument uh, answer, I should say. Well, look, I mean, that's great. Thanks again for your time and, and your insights and, uh, um, and good luck with the book sales as well. Well, Pete, uh, quite a coup there to get a rugby correspondent uh, of, of that calibre. Um, so uh, how did uh, – because is Rob, is Rob a, a Chiefs fan? How, how come he wrote the book? Well, no, it's uh, it turns out that he lives in Devon, um, but but he isn't necessarily. He did admit he didn't admit to being a Chiefs fan, but he 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 wrote the book because he said it was a it was a story that needed telling, and and as a journalist uh, for quite a long time, he also admitted that he'd never written a book, and he felt it was about time that he should write one. So I think the two things kind of came together, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, I did I did actually read it. Um, as a kind of when he agreed to do the interview I thought it was only fair that I should uh, download it onto my Kindle and obviously because I was going away to the caravan I thought well I've got a few few days so I, I read it and it is actually a, a really good read uh, just to see where Exeter come from I, I didn't really realise f- from the low levels that they, they really came from and, and how they've kind of got to this position it's, it's, and there are some quite big parallels with, with what Bristol are doing with the Bears and stuff so so it's, it's definitely a good read for any kind of discerning rugby fan but yeah it was really really nice of Rob to, to talk to us and um, yeah this sounds a little bit tinny so I do apologise that's my fault but uh, yeah he gave us some great insight uh, as, as you'd imagine from a, a national journalist Absolutely and uh... Uh, yeah, it was interesting. His his prediction was uh, a Bears win on Friday, but Exeter to uh, take the title. Um, so uh, we 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 got the uh, an expert's view there. Certainly, uh, someone that's been involved with rugby for a long, long time. Uh, interesting also to hear his views on uh, ring fencing uh, and the Premiership. Um, any surprises there from what you heard from him? No, I mean, he gave quite a reasoned answer, which you'd imagine from a broadsheet journalist, I thought. It was it was interesting. Um, I, I did wonder that maybe he might come down on one side or the other. But, um, yeah, I think he, he, he kind of said, I think his big comment was, it will probably come down to money, won't it, eventually? And, uh, and that's, uh, that's probably probably right so i think uh, we'll see i mean it's 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 going to be interesting um the next couple of years to see how the the premiership and the championship work together well i think the one thing that i really took away from it was his view that in four years time uh is it more likely to be a british league than uh just a purely ring fenced english league uh, uh and I, I think that's fascinating and you know with the cbc money who who knows uh anyway let let me come to miles um uh, i i wanted to uh, just congratulate you on your prediction from last week um bristol won 34-17 against newcastle you predicted a 31-17 win which was very, very close. So uh, well done for that. Um, Miles, how do you see this game going on Friday night? Uh, We'll we'll do the predictions a bit uh, bit later on, but are are you confident that the Bears can get one over on Exeter? And and what kind of Exeter team do you think uh, Rob Baxter will pick? Is he going to go all out for this one? Uh. I, I, I think I'll go to your last point. I think Rob Baxter is is going to go all out. Um, 
you know, the, we're, we're both teams are out of Europe. This is our sole competition that we're now concentrating on. And as we well know as Bears fans and Chiefs fans, the top finisher will get the advantage of the home semi-final. So points are massive. We've still got a 12-point advantage, but we're not out of the woods yet. And I think, obviously, Chiefs had a, a massive win against the Wasp side at the weekend, who, from what I understand, collapsed a bit in the second half. Um, and I personally feel we weren't at our best at the weekend. So we've got more to give. We've got massive players to come back in. But this is the proper clash of the Titans. This is so hard to predict. We'll chat about it in a while. And both teams, I'm sure, are going to put out their best possible players this Friday night. Yeah, as you, as you said, we've got the uh, it's the semi-finals of the European Cup the weekend after. So both Exeter and Bristol have got that free week. So uh, you know, there's plenty of time for people to recover. Lee, let me come to you. Uh, we we mentioned it earlier that Pat was able to rest the likes of Sinclair. Brian Byrne, Dave Atwood, Charles Piertow, Nathan Hughes, Dan Thomas just came on for seven minutes at the end of that game. Uh, we've got a lot of options now, haven't we? So what what changes do you foresee for uh, Pat? Uh, and uh, who, who do you think might come into that team uh, for the game against Exeter? Oh, I mean, what a, what a fantastic position for Pat to be in, though, isn't it, to have these choices now? Um, I do agree with Miles as well. I think that, that both teams are really going to set the marker down for this. It's, it, this is going to be a hell of a game for me. Um, I think obviously Sinks has to play. I think he's got to come in. Um, interesting what they'll do at Hooker because I think he, I think Pat will probably go with um, the Brynoceros personally. Um, but but then Facker's not too far away as well, is he? I know he might not he, he might not be ready for this one. But he's not too far off as well. So, you know, another headache for, for Pat, probably a little bit, a few weeks down the line. Um, Dan Thomas has got to play for me. Um, I think that's a, a, a bit of a no-brainer. Um, I, the interesting one for me would be Hughes. I don't know, I don't know if, if Hughes is quite fit enough yet. And do they throw him into this big test when he's not quite at the races at the moment, you know, and possibly risk a you know, a, a worse injury than, than what he's been carrying. Um, it, I mean, there is so many different options. And it's, it's like, uh, Pietau's back, um, Charles, then what do you do with Malins, you know? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's a, I'm glad that we're not picking the side. I'm glad that it's actually, you know, Pat doing what he's being paid to do and putting these people in right places. Yeah, and I mean, just just on that list as well. Do you foresee Dave Atwood coming back into the starting yes. fifteen? Yeah, sorry, I, I did forget Dave. I was trying to write them down as you were saying it. So, um, Dave Atwood's got to come back in for me. Um, and then it's interesting whether you go, um, you know, you play Bowie and Atwood in the middle, where you know Bowie goes to six. Um, it, there is so many, so many different options. You know, it's, it's. I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, and Pete, let me come to you. Maybe looking more at the backs. Um, if if Sheedy, actually, I saw Callum walking down White Ladies Road with his uh, with his young lady earlier. Uh, didn't didn't get a chance to say anything. He looked all right. He wasn't he wasn't sort of like hobbled over. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm not sure the extent of his injury. But should he not be fit to play uh, against Exeter, who who starts at ten for you? You could solve Pat's selection problem there by putting Piertau at uh, 15 and, and Malins at 10. I mean, we've seen Malins play at 10, uh, well, the end of last Good there as well. Um, and I would perhaps think that he, Pat would go with that and, and Lloyd, you know, would sit on the bench and, and, and as a kind of utility player as well, Lloyd could come on on a number of positions. Uh, I mean, I, I think both teams are going to go out all guns. 
game experience that that we're gonna you know if we want to win this title we're gonna have to play some two big massive games at the end of the season and what would you know a, a dress rehearsal for a massive game is to play Exeter at the moment who are you know let's be honest are looking pretty lively and back in, got their mojo back so I would have thought Pat would play a team that he would perhaps think about playing in a premiership final just to see uh, how it goes and then perhaps have a few of his kind of understudy on the bench to give them a bit of the experience but but let's not be let's not be scared about this i mean exit to the ones that are trying to avenge some embarrassment not scoring in the second half at sandy park i mean you know we're the ones in the in the in the in the box seat at the moment and we're at home so i think we go go all guns and if we can win it again do the double dent a bit of their confidence then that might come to play later on in the season. Well, it's interesting. Interesting you say that because um, if if we win and Exeter fail to pick up a bonus point, um, Quinns are playing London Irish and Sale are playing Worcester. Now, if they both rack up five points, Exeter could be down to fourth. Um, yeah. come the end of next so, weekend, which really starts to heap a bit of pressure on, on the Chiefs. So mm-hmm. I think for them, it, it, it's a, almost a must-win game. Yeah. For us, it doesn't really matter too much in the grand scheme of things. I, th- I think that you're right. I mean, I think Exeter have got no option but to go big. And therefore, I think we should go big as well because we we need to test ourselves, you know, we, we and, and see where we're at. And and of course, we if it doesn't work for us and and a few things go wrong, we've got loads of time to to, to work on it. And um, you know, I think we have to assume that we may play Exeter in a knockout game. It could be a semi, it could be a final. And you know, let's let's be honest, Harlequins are doing well, Northampton are doing well, but then they're. they're they're not quite the same, and we need to we need to be ready to beat Exeter in a knockout game to 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 take the title. So, I'm expecting I'm expecting to hear the grunts from Ashton Gate, where I'm from my front room Friday. No, absolutely, and I think I think the one thing that we do know from Pat, the likes of Luatoa uh, and maybe Thaka and Ran Ranjo or Nualago, if if they're not quite a hundred percent, he he doesn't have to risk them for this game. This isn't a yeah. win all, mm. uh, but I do agree with you. I, I think psychologically, he, he will get them up and say, right, boys, this think of this as the final. Uh, and we've got to go out there and beat Exeter again. And, and to beat Exeter home and away uh, would be incredible to uh, confidence boost, wouldn't it, going into the playoffs? Miles, let me come to you. I, I, I thought in my mind, I was pondering about earlier, interesting to, to see what you think. Um, in a playoff scenario, do you want to play Exeter in the semi final or in the final? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, oh, good question. I, I think I'd rather face them in the final, to be perfectly honest with you. Because any team who are going to beat Chiefs are obviously a solid team, aren't they? Fully capable, full of quality. And as we well know, a trick in a final is extremely difficult, whichever team you play. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think selfishly, you know, as I think as a as Bristol fan, we've beaten Chiefs away. Is it two years on the bounce? And and I think we've lost at home to them two years on the bounce, I think, if I recollect correctly. So this 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 game on Friday night is a huge huge psychological battle between the Chiefs. If we win that and then <laughs> I'm not saying smash, but if we get a win at Twickenham, that that is the ultimate pride, I think, for a Bristol Bears fan to beat Chiefs, you know, the European and the Premiership champions in the final at Twickenham. So that's I think that's my preference. Same question to you, but let let me, I I mean, up until today, I would have agreed with Miles, but then let me me run this theory past you. Um, If... We're going to have to beat Exeter to win this 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 title, whether it's in the semi-final or final. You know they they are the second best team in the league. But I was wondering, do we do we want to play them at Ashton Gate in a home semi-final in front of six and a half seven thousand fans? And let's face it, unless we're made to give some tickets to Exeter, that is all going to be Bristol Bears fans. 
Or do we want to take them on at Twickenham, where their squad have played consistently for the last four or five years in top-level finals and know what it's like and know, you know, how to win uh, and the, the taste of defeat there? Opposed to us, who, apart from that Bath game, not many of our players have played, you know, top games at Twickenham. Um, so I, I've kind of spun round and thought, well, if we're going to have to beat Exeter to win this title, I don't know whether I'd rather face them in a semi-final at Ashton Gate in front of our own fans, where it's a bit more of a leveller than maybe taking them on at Twickenham, where they've got the greater experience. Your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Tony. You've just perfectly summed that up for me. Um, there is a bigger picture, though, that we haven't mentioned yet, is that if we, I mean, obviously, if we beat Chiefs here, that we've then got that cushion that we are able to rest players going into those playoffs. So that is a, a massive, massive thing for, for Pat to have. Just you can you can afford to rest players for, you know, two, three games and, and have them kind of going into those playoffs really fired up for it. Um, but yeah, I, I would say going back to your question, I, I, I think I'd rather have the Chiefs down here, even though, like as Miles had just uh, said, they have beaten us in the last couple of years at Ashton Gate. But I just feel that for me, the and it's, obviously I am biased, but the pendulum seems to be swinging. It, you know, everyone has its, has has their their time, and we're just on the on the cusp now. And I think. I agree with Pete. I don't think we need to, to fear Chiefs anymore. But but the only downside to that is I'd worry then we might get someone like Sal in the final and, and you know, the way they play and get get beaten by, you know, what I would class as a lesser team in a, in a you know, the, the big showcase is Chiefs. But, yeah, I, I'd say let's play, let's play them at Ashton Gate, not, not the big boys out, and then see who we get in the final. But, again, we're jumping the gun a little bit, yeah. We we are jumping the gun a little bit, but uh, yeah, a win against Exeter gives us, uh, uh, you know, we'd have to implode big time uh, and the the chasing pack uh, would have to pull off some results. And I think in round 21, say I'll have to play Harlequin. So uh, yeah, I I think a a win against Exeter and then we are in that uh, luxurious position of being able to do what Exeter did last season, uh, final couple of rounds and send some some weakened teams out and uh, rest some players. And of course, with no relegation this year, you haven't got the moral uh, almost responsibility yeah. if you were playing one of the teams at the bottom to, to field a, a full-strength team. So that's going to be fascinating. So let's come to some score predictions. Let's put our money where our mouths are. Let me come to you, Pete, first. Your prediction for the game. 21-20 or something. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to go 21-20, if that's even possible. You 21-20. Miles, after your uh, fabulous prediction last week that was almost spot on, the uh, listeners all around the world are waiting to hear what, <laughs> what, what, you, what you say for this game. I, I think they're going to be disappointed, TC. I'm going to uh, come down a little bit in the, the prediction and go for a narrow win of 14-10 to Bristol. 14-10. Lee, let me come to you. What's your what's your result? Okay. I, 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 I can't see there... I, I can't see it being that low scoring, to be honest, personally. But I do agree with the boys. I think it will be close. Um, and I've got 26-21 to Bristol. And I'm not changing on that. You're not changing. I'm not changing. <laughs> I'm not changing. I, I, I've got a real dilemma with this one. Um, I, I, I have a horrible hunch that Exeter might just do it because they need to win more than us. I hope I am proved wrong, but I'm going to go for the opposite of Pete's prediction and go for a, a 2021 win to Exeter. And I so hope I'm wrong. 
Deary me. They're, bit, they're going to be some of our wonder... followers aren't going to be happy with that. So. <laughs> no, but hey, we've got to be honest, though, haven't we? We've got to be honest. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, we, we, we've been on a, a fabulous run. I just think they they need this more than us. And, um, yeah, hope, hopefully we'll bulldoze them. You know, every, every part of me wants us to win. Mm. But I, I just have a sneaky suspicion that this might just be a little a little leveller uh, for us to uh, – for, for the last few games of the season. Okay, let's move on then. Um, one of the things I just wanted to uh, speak to you guys about, and that's the round 19 fixtures. Uh, so these are due to be played uh, the weekend before crowds are let back into stadia. Um, uh, and the weekend after that, um, for, for most of the premiership teams, it will be a free weekend because it's the European finals. Uh, so potentially Bath and or Leicester will uh, uh, be there in, in, in those games. So there's the opportunity for a minimum of four, or if Bath and Leicester get knocked out, possibly all six games to be shifted either to midweek or to the following weekend to allow clubs to get fans back into stadiums. Uh, Pete, let me come to you. Uh, your thoughts on this speculation, and obviously it must be quite true because we've got the fixtures for rounds 20, 21 and 22 all mapped out. Round 19 is yet to be confirmed. Yeah, I'm all for it, mate. My only fear is that they won't be ready. Uh, you know, the bar staff won't quite be ready to to, to, do, to give us that amazing service that we get. And the shop may not have all the merchandise, but I could live with that, boys. And Miles, I suppose one of the other aspects as well, um, if, if you can get the final four fixtures uh, with spectators, that should even things up a bit. So it should mean that both teams would play in front of spectators two home games and two away games. Uh, do you think that will make a big difference to Bristol? Uh, well, you could argue with our run of form of late, both home and away, not necessarily, but, you know, Pat has alluded to this in, you know, in many fans' broadcasts that the players are desperate to play in front of Bears fans. And that's fantastic ethos the team have got. So I think, you know, to get any sort of fan numbers back, be it 4,000 or more, or, or a bit more, it will be great for the players. And I'm prepared to really lose my voice on one midweek occasion to get that get that glory of shouting for Bristol. Just to reiterate what Pete says, yeah, 4,000 pints of flat buckcomb doesn't fill me with confidence, but I'm going to live with it for this occasion, TC. <laughs> Uh, and Lee, uh, your, your thoughts, uh, you know, we knew we'd uh, hopefully get a shot at a ticket for the last game of the season against London Irish. Uh, potentially that might have been a bit of a flat game, really. Pat, as we've already talked about, might have been resting a lot of players for the playoffs. Um, if this round 19 game goes ahead, it's only Gloucester in the Rifles Cup. Oh. And, 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 oh. One, how does that make you feel? But also, secondly, we might, for the very first time, see Semi Ranranja, Nualago, Earl and Malins actually live. Uh, you know, we've missed all their performances so far this season. Yeah. What is, if, if it happens, say it's a Wednesday night, what's it going to be like there? Even if there's only I don't know four to six and a half thousand people in the crowd. Oh, Tony! I mean, it's it's going to be. I'm I'm I'm. You were talking there. I'm salivating at that. I'm absolutely salivating. I am. I mean, just the the just getting back into that stadium and having those feelings again, and and kind of the passion. Like you know, Miles has said, if there's four, five, six, seven thousand. Doesn't matter, mate. We're inside the ground, and we are going to absolutely smash it up, aren't we? It's going to be amazing, just like all times. And you know, taking Bath aside, I think probably the four of us would all agree Gloucester is our is our next favourite game anyway of the season. So um, it, it would be immense, wouldn't it? I mean, we would all shout the house down. 
Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, I just want to give some tips to the listeners because, you know, players need to get match fit. I think as fans, we need to, to get match fit for that experience. <laughs> so here are my three top tips. Tip number one for those of you like Pete and I that like a Buckcombe, um, for the Exeter Chiefs game, when there's an injury about halfway through the first half, go and pour yourself a buckcomb, leave it out on the side, and then come back to it at half time when it's warm and flat. That will get you ready for that game. Second thing, at half time when you've got your flat buckcomb because you've been really clever and got out early, uh, you then realise you need to go to the toilet. So <laughs> wait outside of the toilet for five to ten minutes and then try and go while holding your warm pint of buckcomb. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I think my, my third and final thing will be to get one of the uh, non-watching members of your family to be poised. So when Bristol are just about to pound the Exeter try line, people should just say, excuse me, and walk in front of you. So you can just, <laughs> just get back to what that feels like, you know. Um, so th th those are my three tips, you know, flat butt curl, keep your legs crossed for 10 minutes outside the toilet and make sure someone stands in front of you uh, just as there's a, a, a potential try-scoring opportunity. That will get all of us match fit ready for getting back to Ashton Gate. Um, right, I think, Lee, you've got a, a shout-out that you want to mention. Yeah, just a very quick one. Um, obviously, one of, one of our big listeners to the pod, uh, Neil Forrester, um, he had a big birthday yesterday, a big five zero. So he's uh, he was following Pete on the um, on the Hawaii front. So I just wanted to say um, from all four of us a big shout out and a and a belated happy birthday to Neil. Absolutely, yeah. Happy birthday. Uh, well, chaps, that's it for this show. Um, to all you listeners out there, if you like what you've heard, please leave a review or rating for us on your favourite podcast platform. We'll be back next week with our review of the big West Country clash against Exeter and more Bristol Bears news and views. Until then, goodbye, stay safe and come on, Briz. Come on, Briz.